the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com today and get yourself $1 a month for the whole first year. I can't even give you that deal with Spot Track. Go and get it right now. It's their big Black Friday weekend special. How can you beat that? That's $12 for the first year. You can't beat it. Go do it. They've been great to us. They've been great to a lot of people. We use them every single day. I'm reading the article right now that's facilitating the conversation I'm about to have with you, which is, first, NFL off the top. The top free agents at each position, based on PFF grades, based on my, my market values, smash it all together, and you get two to three players at every position that at least are trending towards major contracts next free agency. I list every player. We talk about the market value in the next contract. And then in similar fashion, I switch to baseball and I go through 15 pending free agents, current free agents, I should say, excuse me. And I do what I, what I hate to do, but I'm doing it. Projected contract, projected team for 15 big, big names. Lots of Mets, lots of Cardinals, lots to talk about. I, uh, I put my name on it. I stamp it. So when it's all dead wrong, you can look at me and blame me specifically. All right. And then uh, look at Keith Smith's doing God's work right now. It's November and he's already got trade conversations happening on spotright.com. The early trade primer is out as the December 15th restriction lifts. A lot of names, a lot of teams to think about. We talked about it quite a bit here with Scott and Keith over the past couple of episodes. Everything can change. It's, it's early. It's very early. But it's really good to get some names in your head right now because Keith is ahead of the game, as you might imagine. He watches more basketball than any of us combined, and he kind of knows who's floundering and who's just going through a thing and who may be back to normal by Christmas and who may not be, right? The buyers now may be sellers by Christmas. So it's good to get those names out there. I'll be talking to Keith about it in a couple of days here, but check it out on SpotTrack.com. Get yourself a good read. Let me know how it looks on SpotTrack, at SpotTrack on Twitter. Talk some football. On the agenda for today with the NFL, the all-pending free agent team. I'm going to keep this really simple. We do some deep dive work in terms of projections and analytics and things like that. I'm going to use PFF grades because we're 12 weeks in. There's an evolution to how those work. They're week by week, kind of hour to hour. They are certainly nothing to stamp down and say this is exactly how things are going. But for exercises like this, it's a pretty good way to at least to get a top three, which is what I'm going to do position by position here. Quick, dirty, easy. I'm going to give you the names. Then I'm going to give you my uh, future predictions in terms of numbers as to where this may be going. And maybe a little stay and go as well. Quarterbacks. The highest rated pending free agent quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, Geno Smith, and it's not even close. And at the time of this recording, he is currently driving at midfield to win an overtime game against the Raiders. Whether that happens, I'm not sure. But again, he's in another game here. And he's kind of uh, week by week taking this to the next level. There's no question about it. 17 pass touchdowns, four, four interceptions before week 12. It's, he's got an 86 rating according to PFF. Take that for with the grain of salt you want to. We talked about his contract last week in this show. It's gone up. Uh, if I tell you the franchise tag's 32, if I tell you the transition tag's 29, would you take him at 28 on a multi-year contract? Probably. Would he take it? Probably not. He'd probably say, tag me, let's do this again. But that's where we're headed. And oh, by the way, the Broncos lost, which means that Seattle pick, 
for Russell Wilson, one of them at least, is now a top three for the 2023 draft. So certainly they could fill more holes. They could also tag Geno Smith and draft an elite quarterback to eventually be his replacement. A lot of options. I don't generally uh, throw grades out with trades. The Seattle Seahawks won the Russell Wilson trade. Even if the Broncos win a Super Bowl, I mean, this is just so lopsided, so one-sided at this point early on. I don't know how the, the Broncos can feasibly recover because, oh, by the way, that coach is getting fired. They're going to have to rebuild this team to work for Russell Wilson. So let's not get off topic here. Geno Smith, around 28 a year, tag possible. Every option is possible. The second pending free agent in terms of PFF, PFF grade at the quarterback position is Andy Dalton, 35-year-old Andy Dalton. He hasn't been excellent. He hasn't been great. He's been adequate, 14-7 and seven in terms of touchdown interceptions. He's going to be over 2,000 yards passing after his Week 12 performance and a loss to San Francisco, but he played well. The Saints just aren't a good team. They're banged up. They're weird. They're awkward. I think, you know, the coach kind of bailing on it was, for me, exhibit A, B, C, D, and E, that, hey, this thing's falling off the train tracks here. And they're a middle-of-the-road team, and Andy Dalton's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Does he get a starting job next year? I can't imagine. He's playing on a $3 million salary. There's some, there's some bonuses built into it that he's certainly going to hit now after this nine-game stretch. But there's a, there's a Band-Aid ripoff coming in New Orleans, and it's going to include Andy Dalton. He's probably going to be right where he is if he wants to continue his career around that 3 or $4 million mark with incentives. And he's a viable option for a contender that's worried about their starting quarterback for any reason, injury performance, whatever it may be. So I, I do think if he wants to continue, he has shown enough this year to get that job. It's just not going to come at a big price. Let's put it that way. Lamar's third. We've talked a lot. They lost a tough game today, a really tough game, and he made some big-time explosive plays. I just don't think he's throwing the ball enough by any regard. I mean, he's going to be over 2,000 passing after Week 12. He's going to be close to 750 rushing after Week 12. He's certainly doing everything correct from his statistical standpoint. And, you know, he's still around that $41, $42 million mark in terms of our calculated value. It's just a weird situation. You know, Baltimore's good enough to be great. They're they're constantly banged up. They're constantly giving leads away. They have shown they they can win in the end. They didn't do it this week. It's just one of those situations. I don't know that we've learned anything about the Lamar situation all year long in 12 weeks. Not one thing. Um, so why would I expect the contract situation to change at all? I don't know why the offer would change. I don't know why his refusal would change. So for all intents, I'm not even going to evaluate this player from a long-term standpoint. He's getting the exclusive tag, which is going to be right around that high 30 mark that it basically is the math says he's worth right now. He wants 50. He wants it fully guaranteed. He's got the players associated behind him now. This is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And 2022 has not helped that from his standpoint. Running backs, Saquon's big. Still about as big as he can be. But he's not in the top three right now. He is not in the top three. All right, he's, he's, he's tied for third. Let's put him that way. And he deserves to be third. So I'm going to keep him out of the equation. There are two other running backs in this conversation right now that have not been talked about enough. One of them got a hell of a lot of run Thursday. And one of them had a hell of a game today, okay? 
because the, the Raiders and this Seattle game is going back and forth in overtime as we, as we had a few games do today. And Josh Jacobs has been a big factor for this team. And I told you at the trade deadline, the Raiders should absolutely do this. He's an expiring contract. I don't believe they have a tag in his future. I believe they've already drafted his replacement, the kid from Georgia. So you're just going to let him walk and take a comp pick? That's fine, but you're in the basement of your division, and you're losing to bad teams. And here he is, doing what he's been doing. He's over 1,000 yards rushing now. He's going to have 350 yards receiving at some point over the next week and a half. You know, there's a real legitimate chance here for a 1,200-500 season out of him which is by far the best he's had from a, a total roster standpoint. He's up, he's up to 230 yards rushing in this Week 12 game alone and 75 yards receiving, okay? This is a 300 yards from scrimmage week for him. So the fact that we're having this conversation is, it was already in the plans, and the fact that he's the top running back based on this little exercise and he's having in this week is just icing on the cake, okay? He is worth the, the multi-year contract. He's worth it. He's at least worth the $11 million franchise tag. But I don't think the Raiders are in any position to do that. Now, you stick with Derek Carr for one more year and try to run this thing back and see what McDaniels can do, maybe that, maybe that franchise tag becomes worth it because they have locked up four other big weapons already long-term. But if he hits the market, He's going to be right there with Barkley's contract. He's going to be right there with the next guy, Tony Pollard's contract, who has now become a tier two running back in this league. And if, you, if you're insulted that he's not a tier one, he's just not doing enough in the passing game to ever even get there. He's not. He's doing some. He's doing enough to qualify as a versatile running back. But you can't put him in 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year conversations. Can't do it. Joe Mixon's conversation, absolutely. 12 million, cap adjusted, 13, let's do it. He can't get to Kamara's number. He can't get to Dalvin Cook's number, although that's probably closer, 12 and a half million. But that's where he is now. He's done enough. And I realize he's second fiddle on his own roster right now. That's by choice. And maybe that's how it has to be. And, and you know, maybe in some weird world, Jerry Jones is going to rip up that Z contract and bring them both back on $6 million contract. It, I, if you want to follow the Browns philosophy, I, I can't argue with that. I can't do that. But Tony Pollard deserves RB1 money and an RB1 role. And at 25 years old, he's got two full years left from a, you know, a career drop-off standpoint to go and get that done. So those two guys with Barkley, which we've talked about quite a bit in the show, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. Not going to be McCaffrey money. Barkley might get up there, as I mentioned before. But these three guys... There's a reason PFF has them graded like they do. There's a reason I'm talking about them in week 12, because if they are not retained, they're going to hit. They're going to hit, even though it's a very, very high supply running back pool. I mean, you have to scroll down the free agent pool. Like the 25th free agent right now, in terms of this ranking that we're working with, is Kareem Hunt. How many teams in the league would take Kareem Hunt next year? 75% of them, right? How many teams would start with Alex, Alex, Alex Madison, Miles Sanders, Jeff Wilson? Okay, this is just four names that I'm scrolling down the free agent list for. It's loaded, absolutely loaded. I still don't think it's going to stop Jacobs and Pollard and Barkley from cashing, and it shouldn't. They are in a different category. They are in a different tier. 
and they belong in that different conversation. Wide receivers, as I've mentioned quite a bit, this is a washed up position right now from a, a contract need standpoint. <laughs> okay. Um, we just don't have it. Everybody got paid, traded, extended, whatever you want to say about it, drafted in the past three, two, two, three off seasons here. So it's going to be a boring off season. You know, Juju Smith's going to be up there. Jacoby Myers should get his bag probably to stay with New England, I would think because of the chemistry situation. And Darius Slayton's now a name to watch because you subtracted a couple of, you know, names out of that conversation in New York, and he and Daniel Jones have found some real chemistry. Now, I'm not sure Daniel Jones will be there, and I'm not sure the Giants want to put any more money in the wide receiver position. I think they want to draft, 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 which makes a ton of sense. But Slayton's going to lock in to, you know, maybe not that Christian Kirk situation, but maybe a Zay Jones-type contract. You know, around that $10 million mark to become a third option that could be a second option in certain weeks. That feels about right. It's a really thin group. So, you know, the Alan Lazards had a chance to be at the top of this list, but Cole Hardman injuries really suppressed those numbers. You know, there's a chance those guys can jump back up at some point, but don't go looking for splashy, splashy wide receiver free agent news. And anytime soon, it's not going to be there. Similar conversation with the tight ends. Although, look, some cap casualties are going to help this fact. Foster Moreau's up there. Um, you know, some number twos right now that could be number ones. That's really how we're looking at this. You know, McCole Pruitt, Josh Oliver, big touchdown today. Jordan Aikens, uh, a touchdown today. Many of these guys actually had nice days today. But it's a, it's a thin group. Gusecki and Schultz are on franchise tags. They won't be re-tagged. Let's put it that way. They're the right age. They've shown some kind of production in the past to go out there and get that kind of bag. It's not going to be Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey kind of money. Are we talking in the 11s and the 12s? I, I guess that makes sense at this point. The Dawson Knox extension makes sense for these guys. But probably new teams for both. And second tier pay. But those are the two, I guess, standout names, even though Weird, weird years for both from an injury standpoint and from a usage standpoint in Miami with Gasecki. Offensive line, the big ones are Orlando Brown. Uh, the Chiefs tagged him. He played on that tag, signed that big $16 million franchise tag. He's been the left tackle all year. He's playing well. He is one of the top-rated offensive linemen on this list right now. There are others. There are definitely others, okay? Caleb McGarry. Ethan Poach, a couple of centers. Jason Kelsey, who just is ageless with Philadelphia, playing his guts out with Jalen Hurts right now. I don't know how you don't bring him back on a restructured contract if you're Howie Roseman, but there's a lot of miles to feed on that Philly team right now. But the big one's going to be, you know, your left tackles. That's not going to go away. So what happens with Elgin Jenkins in, in, in the pack, with the Packers if Bakhtiari is released as expected? Orlando Brown Jr., the left tackle, I imagine he sticks. How big is that contract going to be? He's not the best left tackle in football. He's in the middle of the pack from a PFF standpoint, from a sack percentage standpoint, from all the numbers that matter with this kind of thing, and, and really with the eye test as well. Mahomes is doing a lot of work, a lot of maneuvering still. It's not like he's got you know, a perfect pocket in front of him. There's, he's Patrick Mahomes, and that's why the Chiefs are who they are. So will he settle for a less than top-of-the-market contract? My, my answer to that right now is no. If I'm featuring him as this offensive line contract, once you accept the franchise tag, you've been told that you're worth top five. You, that, that's what that means. That's what that represents. Now, the calculation's a little bit more complicated than that. But if I'm his agent, that's exactly how we start this conversation. You've established him as a top five offensive lineman in football. 
with this franchise tag. So now let's sit down and look at these top five contracts, Trent Williams, all these big boys. And let's talk about age and let's talk about how important this position is to your $400 million quarterback. And let's talk about multiple Super Bowls and yada, yada. And we're going to get there. We're going to get to 24, 25 million a year because that's where it's supposed to be. So I expect the, the relationship to stick. This is the kind of organization that throws curveballs constantly, not just the, the quarterback out there doing his sidearm shit, right? If they want to move on from him and go back to the draft and start over and slot some veteran over there for a year, it wouldn't surprise me one iota. Because look, they just proved they didn't want to overpay for Tyreek freaking Hill, <laughs> okay? So why would I call it a slam dunk that they're going to overpay for a middle-of-the-road graded left tackle, right? The best weapon in football was let walk into, into, onto a different team this year in the same conference. And there's going to be playoff ramifications. That happened. Now they got a boatload back in via trade. So do you double tag Orlando Brown and then say, he's on the market. Let's go. I guess that's possible. My point is this. Everything's on the table for the Chiefs. They've, proved, they've shown it for the last few years now, both on the field and from a business standpoint. So while I believe that the franchise tag says he, he deserves top five money, if they want to double tag him and trade him, it wouldn't surprise me one iota. Defensive line, kind of a resuscitated position right now from a financial standpoint. The interior offensive line and the interior defensive line has really made a comeback, and rightfully so. But the quarterback is releasing the ball quicker. Everything's got to happen from the center out. So where edge rushers are still getting there every now and then, it's your versatile pass rushers, right? Jeffrey Simmons and players like that, they're going to get paid huge, huge. Aaron Donald is an anomaly, but the, the tier below Aaron Donald will soon be set. That market will soon be set. Not so much by any of these free agents, because as I mentioned here, they're just not getting here anymore. They're not getting to this point. Teams are saying, you're too darn valuable to even get to that fifth year or the, or the fourth year if you're a second round or later pick. So we don't have, you know, absolute monsters out there. We've got Javon Hargave, who's been kind of a depth player for the, for the Eagles. Again, miles the feet. He, if he wants to take a bit of a pay cut to stick around, he's only 29 years old, not quite at that 30 threshold. But that's a player that could certainly find a new home if he wants a little bit more cash, the former Pittsburgh Steeler slash now Philadelphia Eagle. And that's it in terms of interior, interior defensive players. Bunch of great you know, good players. Hardgave's near the 85 grade with PFF right now. Tennessee's got a bunch of guys on the defensive line that got to get paid. So if you're looking for splashy defensive tackles and you don't think that team is going to stick in contention and maybe moving on from a trade standpoint or a free agent standpoint, that's the team I'd be looking at. That's the team I'd be targeting for a bunch of positions right now. But look for in-house extensions at the defensive tackle position versus splashy free agent signings. How about those edge rushers? It's been a weird couple of off-seasons. We've seen really good players hit this market and uh, get underpaid. You know, we haven't seen outside of Vaughn Miller's deal with the Bills, and that was just, you know, the stars all aligning. We haven't really seen that massive, massive player hit the open market and, and there would be a bidding war for it. If anything, it's gone the exact opposite. Those players have had to sit around and wait and teams have let those prices drop into June and July in some cases, like Clowney and 
and, and a few others, Yannick Ngakwe, and you've been getting steals. You know, Justin Houston, Melvin Ringham, those guys have been playing on basically minimum contracts now for forever. All right? So it's a weird situation right now. Chase Young is going to get extended, things like that. You're going to see a lot of Max Crosby-type in-house extensions. But Marcus Davenport with the Saints, 26 years old, finished off his fifth year this year, tag candidate for sure. Brandon Graham's almost 35, but he's the, he's the top PFF-rated edge free agent right now. Brandon Graham. So that's two defensive players in a row now. Brandon Graham, edge, Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle, and I can tell you Jason Kelsey was the second highest graded free agent offensive lineman in the entire league right now. Pending free agent. That's why the Eagles are good. They got veteran players or experienced players that are all over that roster right now. And a couple of them need contracts. And it's going to be hard as hell for him to keep it together. And by the way, the Rams, who tried like hell to keep it all together, might be a warning shot to Howie Roseman in that Philadelphia front office saying, hey, let's not overdo it. Let's not bring everybody back and get reckless with this because it could all blow up in six weeks, as it did for the Rams. We'll see. But certainly you're going to find a lot of Eagles at the top of these lists right now. Mel Ingram's out there. Justin Houston's out there. Trey Flowers, bit of a comeback year, you know. But we'll see where uh, the clownies of the world exist this year. It's been a weird, you know, players that are allowed to get to free agency at this position have not been treated well. In other words, teams look at them and say, why did they get here? <laughs> why did they get here? The, uh, the linebacker situation is getting really interesting. Roquan Smith's obviously the top of this list. Tremaine Edmonds is right there out of Buffalo. We'll see what happens to a player like Bryce Huff, who's a restricted free agent with the Jets. I imagine the Jets do everything possible to keep this defense together. Quinton Williams is also going to be in this conversation at some point. And then Detroit's got a couple of guys, right? Chris Board's had a nice year through 11 games. We'll see. It's, uh, it's one of those positions where you've got off-ball linebackers making $20 million a year and really, really good linebackers who maybe do a little bit more, right, but don't get to the quarterback making nine. <laughs> you know, Shaq Thompson's those kind of players. So it's really a fit. It's a need. It's a timing situation with does the front office, that front office that currently has this player and is benefiting from this player, are they in the position to treat this position well financially? You know, Houston Texans aren't paying inside linebackers right now. Detroit Lions probably aren't either, right? Bears obviously proved they weren't because they traded their superstar at the deadline. Well, uh, we'll see what happens with some of these contenders. I think the Tremaine Edmonds conversation in Buffalo is going to be very, very interesting. And some kind of tag may be on the table for that. He's having a career year. We talked about it last week but he's at the top of this list right now in terms of contenders that have to pay an off-ball linebacker and just how much is too much for Brandon Bean right now. Secondary players. Patrick Peterson's been real good for Minnesota. 32 years old now, so look, the bag's not going to be there in terms of the top of the market. But $4 million plus incentives this year, you think he can probably improve on that a little bit. Um, you know, he went from... 8 million down to basically 4 million. You know, can he split the difference with, with a really good year? I mean, he's deserving of a raise right now. Maybe that raise comes via incentives to keep the cap low, but there's some kind of uptick coming for him. I, I have to imagine Minnesota try to keep him together because everything else 
appears to be working really, really well. They're not going to move on from too many pieces in Minnesota, so keeping that player like that in tow makes total sense. Baltimore is going to be fascinating. Um, you know, they got a depth guy like Geno Stone up in, in terms of restricted free agency, and they're going to be up against that cap. So tags for Lamar, obviously, is going to take them way down into the cap situation. And then you start getting into restricted tenders that could be three, four, five million on the cap and cash you know, table. It gets dicey. It gets tight. We see players, good players like this fall off every year because there's just not February money to, to move around right now. Marcus Peters, also a pending free agent. He's above average. He's not elite. And something's not working right now with that Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Peters situation back there. So I do expect a little bit of change on that Baltimore roster. Not at the, just not at the quarterback position yet. But a bunch of Falcons players you think will get turned over. I expect them to be active ever have, after having the offensive year they've been having. And like I said, any player on the Jets in the top 10 here, defensively, probably getting retained. That's how I view this. Uh, let's move on to some special teamers, and we will switch things over to baseball. Your highest rated PFF special teamer right now is Brett Mayer. The Dallas Cowboys kicker who couldn't stop kicking 60-yard field goals. He's 33. Good kickers who know what the hell they're doing can play to 40. And we've seen it time and time again. But there's some names here. You know, Chase McLaughlin from Indy. Matt Prater, you know, continue to doing it with Arizona. Matt Gay with the Rams. Is he going to be a casualty after that team has to really do some, some looking internally? And Mason Crosby with Green Bay. You have to imagine now this is finally it. They have given him a bunch of additional contracts after we thought he was overpaid. And uh, he's kind of dropped back down a little bit here. The Aaron Rodgers stuff is really going to change a lot, whether he stays or goes. If he stays, everything's going to have to come down financially because of the expenses. And if he goes, there's going to be a ton of dead cap still, and they're going to have to really restructure how that offense works. So some of these names will fall off, but it's a pretty, you know, look, more and more you're seeing one-year contracts for kickers. So every year you're going to hit this free agent board look over at special teams and see a boatload of really named starting kickers, starting punters. It's become a bit of a carousel and take it or leave it. It's uh, it's one of the hardest jobs in football right now. And you're going to see a lot of turnover. There's no question about it. A couple of quarterback stories and we'll get out of here in terms of a little baseball. Mike White, we talked about him again a couple of years ago. Um, he's back. And this one might stick a little longer. Joe Flacco was demoted to third string. Obviously, they were seeing something, uh, you know, behind the scenes and practices, things like that, that they liked with Mike White. They understood that this guy was going to get the chance at some point, and Zach Wilson absolutely handed it to him on a silver platter with back-to-back-to-back, in my opinion, dud weeks. Nothing, you know, culminating with what we saw last week. So what does he do? He steps in, Mike White just starts throwing passes. He's efficient, he's accurate, and he's finding the red zone. I, I can't imagine he's going to relinquish this role. You know, there's going to be some diehards who say, well, not so fast. We drafted this kid number two. We got to give him the chance. Look, this is funny money right now. All right, the rookie wage scale is absolute funny money. Josh, the Josh Rosen situation years and years ago, what, five years ago now? Four years ago now? That was the flag in the ground. All right, that there really is no situation right now that can't be moved away from in terms of the rookie wage scale. I realize that they had to pay him a ton of money to go away. 
I realized that he really never found his way. But look, we're, uh, we're at a point in time right now where there is nothing more important. If you have a semblance of a defense and a couple of weapons, right? Let's think Dolphins. Let's think, let's think Buccaneers. And you are just missing that one position, and your guy is underperforming. Your, your guy, you believe, is the reason you're losing more games than winning then you do whatever it takes. And if that player is a rookie with guaranteed money over the next two, three years, it's two years, 9.3 million for Zach Wilson left. And the fifth year option to me is a, is a ghost story right now. That's what it is. The Jets are going to pay $9 million, whether he's the backup quarterback here, or I guess if they can find a trade partner, they won't have to pay it. But if they need to, they will eat that $9 million in some capacity to find the next quarterback, whether that's, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Stroud, right? Whatever capacity it takes, Ryan Tannehill, they're going to do it because they've shown that the, that the rest of the roster has taken strides. You know, and if Brees Hall's healthy, how good can that offense be? How balanced and good can that offense be with an accurate quarterback? Mike White did that today. He's, he's going to do that a few more times this year. We saw this before. Yeah, he petered off in Ryan Fitzpatrick-type style because he just doesn't have the reps doesn't have the strength, doesn't have the mental endurance to handle it right now. He's going to get there. That's why, you know, it's why everybody takes their lumps in year one for the most part. He's going, to get, he's going to get a chance over the next six weeks now, after this week, and maybe some playoffs, to at least compete for the 2023 job. And, and all the names I mentioned and plenty, plenty more are going to be in that conversation as well. But that's what this is about. This is about, this Jets team is too damn good to screw around. And Zach Wilson's $9 million over the next two seasons doesn't mean a damn to them. It's funny money. It's couch change. So if you're sitting there thinking your guy is locked in on a rookie contract and there's no way they're moving, you got to start thinking differently because that's just not how the world's working right now in the NFL. All right? Maybe that rookie wage scale will get inflated at some point in time over the next decade. Don't count on it. All right? And it's still the greatest value in all the sports. A rookie quarterback, especially not a first-rounder, who can play ball, is the best value in all the sports. So take it with a grain of salt. If Mike White continues to be adequate and or above average like he was today, that's where this is going to go. And Zach Wilson's going to have to either sit there and be a $9 million backup for two years, try to, try to find a trade partner if I'm you know, Joe Douglas, or if the locker room situation becomes untenable, you simply pay that money to go away. And that's just life. There's offsets. If he signs a contract somewhere else, you know, that's money they don't have to pay. So I expect this to be a real thing. I don't think this is just a wake-up call benching. And if Mike White stays healthy and adequate, that's where this is going. And by the way, it's not just a one-off. Every team's going to operate like this if and when they get back down to the rookie quarterback situation. We're going to see it. We're going to see it more and more and more. Hell, right? Jordan Love may never get a chance to play football in this league. Never. The Packers aren't blinking an eye, right? That's how good they think this, this rookie wage scale is. They drafted a, a first-round rookie and said, well, that's decent backup money. We've got a young guy who can step in if something goes wrong, if Rodgers retires, who gets hurt. And if not, it's decent backup money over a four-year four stint. So there we go. That's where we are right now. That's where we are. And it's going to continue more and more and more as this position gets more powerful. And finally today, 
I hate to do this, but I know I need to do this. It's part of the gig. It's part of what I'm doing. And by the way, I'm doing enough homework. I should, I should do this. I'm going to predict 10 to 12 Major League Baseball free agent contracts and destinations all by myself. I'm not going to bounce this off anybody else. So if I, when I'm wrong, it's on me. Okay. Again, I'm the one running these numbers and work, working these projections and putting out the offseason pieces. So I do feel like I should put my name on some of these things. And by the way, the, some of these I'm just flat out rooting for, right? Some of it makes sense analytically. Some of it makes sense financially. A couple of these, I'm just, I just want to see this happen. All right. Let's get it out of the way. Aaron Judge, he's going to stay with the Yankees because the Yankees are flat out going to match the offer. I know this guy wants to go out West. They're going to make the offers. The Giants are in. The Dodgers are in. That's all you need to know because the offers are going to be massive. I think at some point in time, the ninth year has to get involved. So when the ninth year gets involved, the overall total comes down just a bit to help with those luxury tax processes, okay? So I'm going to go on a limb here and change my evaluation just a little bit. And I'm going to say nine years, $340 million, back to the Yankees. It's a terrible contract. It's a boatload of money. But the Yankees need it maybe more than any team. The Giants definitely need this. The Dodgers, it's, you know, we talked about that last week with Cousin Dan. It would certainly be a couple extra toppings on the Sunday. The Yankees need it. They need every pitcher stepping into Yankee Stadium knowing this guy's in the lineup, whether he's leading off, whether he's back down with Anthony Rizzo. It's important that that guy's in their lineup. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say the bidding war gets it to a ninth year but the overall average drops under 40 a year. So just around 38 a year on a nine-year contract. Talked about Jacob DeGrom last week. I don't believe he returns to the Mets. Okay? I don't believe he stays in New York and goes to the Yankees. I do believe that he stays on the East Coast and breaks my heart and joins the Braves on two years, 90 million. And that's all I'm going to say about that, <laughs> okay? I'll still be rooting for the guy somehow, maybe when they're playing an American League team. Justin Verlander, aforementioned last week as well with Cousin Dan. Dan is dead set on Astros or Rangers for him. Um, the Dodgers are absolute in this conversation. I'm going to throw a curveball here. I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Two years, $90 million, same deal. Blue Jays. Carlos Correa, the first shortstop off the board. This is the player that the Giants end up with. All right, this ends up being the bat. They need that. They need it in the infield. They need it in the lineup. It brings a little bit of swagger to the to the lineup as well. I like everything about this move. I think it's a it's a good plan B if the Aaron Judge situation falls through. Carlos Correa to the Giants, ten years, three hundred twenty five million dollars. Under the Lindor contract, keep that in mind. So I'm not quite getting it there. I, I do think the Mets heavily overpaid for Francisco Lindor, like by 40 million. 40 million. Trey Turner should be the first shortstop off the board, but I don't think he's going to get there. Here's why I think he becomes one of two very, very nice signings for the Seattle Mariners. And the reason I'm putting it in Seattle is 
they're going to pay a little bit more than they probably want to on this deal. But they're going to make him a second baseman. And he's not going to love that. But the money's going to make it go away. <laughs> okay? So I'm going to say he goes eight years, right around the 275 mark. So less than Correa by quite a bit. But it's a younger group. They can afford to go a little higher on the annual average with this one. Obviously, Julio's locked up. But the, the thought of Julio and Trey Turner in the same lineup is absolutely terrifying. And by the way, there are plenty of more bats in this lineup already. But just the versatility of those two players alone is one of the better one-two punches I can think of in all the game. And you can play him at second. And when J.P. Crawford isn't having his best, best you know, couple of weeks, He's obviously viable at shortstop. I don't want to see this one go in 10 years like Correa. I just don't think Turner's going to be built for that. But I do think Seattle should be all in on this guy specifically as the bat that they target because they need more than a bat. But this is the bat I'd like them to target. Xander Bogarts, the third shortstop off the board. I actually think this one goes back to, to, to Boston. Not too many of these are going back where they came from. I'll, I'll give you that you know, up front here. They just can't afford it. And see, by the way, that's a, that's a bad choice of words. They absolutely can afford it. They can't afford to lose him. And in saying that, what I'm saying is, if they lose him, then Rafael Devers is already out the door. They might as well trade Devers before even losing Bogarts because that's going to be the one-two situation over the next six months. So they have to do what they have to do here. And I, I equate this to Rizzo coming back as a precluder to bringing back Judge. I think those things had to go hand in hand. This one's going to cost a hell of a lot more, but because Devers is going 300 million, and I think Bogarts is going 200. So we've got to get him up to, you know, to a higher standard than what he just opted out from, which was 20 million a year, basically three for 60. So we got to get ourselves into a situation where, you know, are we talking eight years at 25 a year? There's your 200 million. It's probably about right. And then, like I said, you're going 300 for Devers. If you're keeping Bogarts, you're paying Devers because you need both of these guys in the lineup. You're losing J.D. Martinez. You've, you know, you're relying on some of your youth, Tristan Cassis and things like that, that have to grow up quickly into this. But I, I, do, I do think paying the shortstop and paying the third baseman, both who have MVP-type caliber pers- you know, and batting titles in them, is worth whatever rebuild they're going through right now or whatever, you know, pause they put on their finances over the past year and a half. It's time to start paying again. And these two players should be identified as that. Carlos Rodon, the next pitcher on the market. If the Giants are going Carlos Correa, then why not just bring back Carlos Rodon as well? Because you need everything. You know, that's not a team that's just, let's drop a bat in and we're going to be contenders in the NL West. Not even close, actually. In fact, you're still third. Okay. <laughs> Dodgers are still the Dodgers. Padres might be better than the Dodgers. Okay, so we're in a situation where the Giants have to be uber aggressive if right out of the gate they think they can compete in this division. Bringing back the starter, Carlos Rodon, and adding Carlos Correo massively helps that cause. So let's put him right in the conversation at five years, 150. 30 million a year for Carlos Rodon. They can afford it. They've got contracts falling off. That's the right move. Pay the guy who kind of got you in the situation in the first place, overachieving with you over the past couple of seasons. Dansby Swanson, the fourth shortstop off the board. This one's tough for me. I really like Swanson to the Mariners. 
but I really like Trey Turner a hell of a lot more. And I think that's a team that should overpay for Turner instead of settling for Swanson. The gap is not that big. It's significant, but not, you know, you, I, I think as a plan B instead of plan A, you'd still be pretty happy with Dansby Swanson. Do I think the Braves get him back? I, I still think somebody outbids the Braves. Is that the Twins who will lose the Carlos Correa conversation? Is it a team we're not thinking of? You know, do the Yankees get involved with somebody like this who, who has that winning pedigree? It's possible. You know, it's possible that we see another team come in here. But if I'm putting Turner in Seattle, Bogart's back to Boston. You know, the Angels needed somebody, but they kind of did their Gio Urshela thing. They're kind of doing their thing right now. I think they're really, really focused on pitching, which is obviously where I want them to be. Here's the team for, for, for Dansby Swanson. It's six years, 150, so markedly less than these other shortstops I have out there. And it's the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think it's the right fit. They're just going to be hand in hand. It's a very Braves-like organization. Drop this guy in. Let him do his thing. Certainly not going to have the year he had last year. That's going to be the anomaly season, in my opinion. But anything close to that on that lineup is going to be just fine. (laughs) All right, just fine. Speaking of which, Wilson Contreras, the top catcher on the market, was able to make it all the way to the end with the Cubs. They did not trade him away at the deadline. He's going to be expensive. All right? He's going to be expensive. He doesn't value to $20 million a year. He values around 16 But as I mentioned before, he's going to get four for 80. And I do think the Cardinals are the team to do it. They're going to make a big splash. It's going to be Contreras. It's going to be one of these shortstops. So let's say Swanson and Contreras as the two position players they add. They got to replace Molina. He's been a shell of a, of a bat for you know a couple of years now. And honestly, a shell of a catcher now for a bunch of years as well. But they need that big, splashy kind of move. And there's some pitchers that are going to need to be pitched up a little bit here. This guy can hit. Everything about him is elite. And it has been for a long time. So we'll see where he can go. He's a hard-hitting, batting catcher. Four for 80. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. Houston's in this conversation, by the way but I think they're going to patch things together because the rest of the roster is so so solid. Nathan Evaldi, another Red Sox player, this time a pitcher. Do you need to bring him back? If I'm saying Verlander goes to Toronto, that probably takes Evaldi out of the Toronto conversation. So let's just put him on the Rangers. Rangers or Angels, you know, 16, 17 million a year, let's say four for, I don't know, 75. And let's say it's the Angels, because I just want more pitching on that roster. Chris Bassett. Had a hell of a year for my Mets. He, he kind of held the fort down for a good month there, six weeks maybe, and was just solid. I saw him twice in person this year. He is solid. I love his work rate. He always looks angry on the mound. I like that about him too. You know, He's a candidate to go to, to Boston and replace the Evaldi situation. He's a better Nate Evaldi. Let's put it that way. I'm going to put him back with the Mets. If the Mets are going to lose the Grom, if they're not going to sign Verlander, if they're going to lose Taiwan Walker, you know, et cetera, et cetera, one of these guys has to come back. Why not Bassett? I think he's perfectly acceptable as a number two behind Max Scherzer. So let's make him that. Let's make him that. Four for 80 for Chris Bassett, right around that 19 and a half mark where he values back with the Mets for a bunch of more seasons. Brandon Nimmo, another Met. 
Maybe the top outfielder, not name Aaron Judge on this entire list right now. Boy, there's teams in on him. I don't think the Mets bring him back. I don't think the Mets bring him back. I do think the Blue Jays go big. Really big. And uh, nothing about Brandon Nimmo screams $20 million a year. But all of it combined absolutely gets you there. Five years, $100 million for the Blue Jays, Brandon Nimmo. By the way, I want that one to happen. If he's not going to be on the Mets, that's the team I want him on. Because he will feed off the, those young kids. And by the way, further excite those young kids to a whole new level. He's atmosphere as much as he's productive. So that's one I absolutely want to see happen. Jose Abreu. Old dog, 35 years old. He was a late bloomer. He had just some phenomenal seasons, including last year for the Chicago White Sox, who have to change some things up. They just have to. They signed Clevenger today. You know, there's going to be a couple of more new names coming in there across the board because they just had maybe the most under, you know, just disappointing seasons. Maybe, I think that's the team that had the most disappointing season in 2022. Let me put it that way. So let's say he's walking. I know the Padres want to replace Josh Bell with him. I know it. I know the Rays want to underpay him. I've read that already. Okay. I know the White Sox do want to try to bring him back. This is the kind of player that the Cleveland Guardians overpay for on a two-year contract, on a three-year contract. This is the guy. High OPS, high IQ, can mash. They need a guy who can sit in the middle of that lineup like Eben and Canarcion did a couple of years ago and just mash and bring that crowd to their feet and inspire the younger kids who just have to continue to develop around him. He's the guy. He's the guy. Let's put him at, what, 15 a year? Can we do three for 45? Maybe that third year is an option. It's the right move for the Cleveland Guardians right now who overachieved last year but can sustain it with a couple of smart signings this offseason. Two more. I'm bringing back a blast from the past. There's a lot of Mets in this damn list. Michael Conforto. Remember him? The Scott Boris client got hurt in, in his offseason with the qualifying offer on him. Didn't play at all in 2022. Had some nibbles at the end there when he was healthy, but decided to just let this thing ride. There's going to be interest. There's definitely going to be interest. I think this is a White Sox pick because, like I said, they're just looking to shake some things up there. I could absolutely see him playing a corner outfield for the White Sox this coming year. I could absolutely see him playing corner outfield for the Braves this coming year and linking back up with Jacob DeGrom. So in that regard, that's not my pick. Neither of those are going to be my pick. Michael Conforto on a one-year contract with a club option in the second year, all of it could equal $30 million. Tampa Bay Rays. Big money for Tampa Bay. I know, I know I'm not supposed to say that out loud. I think this is the guy they can identify as, all right, we'll take a one-year flyer on him. And if he's the guy, we get some value in year two, and he becomes the center of our lineup, which is young, and I think going to be flipped around a little bit here. He's a centerpiece builder if he's healthy. He can at lefties, so they're going to have to figure that out. But what better team to figure out the analytics of a player, especially at the plate, than the Tampa Bay Rays, right? And finally, let's, go, let's get a closer in here. Kenley Jansen, overachieved with the Braves. They brought in, you know, Rodrigo Gaisley's to kind of one-two him. I think he's going to push him out. The Dodgers need it, but I can't see that relationship happening. The Braves don't necessarily need it, but they'd love to have him back. He's going to get overpaid for. 
All right. He made 16 million last year. That's about right. If we're putting him on a multi-year, I think he's going to seek a multi-year and there'll be a bidding war for him. So he'll get that multi-year. Let's say two years, 32 million replacing Chapman in the Yankees. Okay. And it's the smart move for Brian Cashman. Bring back Judge, bolster the bullpen, bring some smaller pieces back. Bring back Tyon. I know he's a top flight free agent pitcher right now. Don't go big for DeGrom. Don't go big for Verlander. You did a lot with a little last year, you know, with Cortez and with some of those other players. Continue down that path. Judge is your splash. Make a splash in the back of your bullpen here and just kind of right the ship. Everything else should fall into place for that team. So I, I, I think I, uh, you know, not too many hot takes here, but multiplayer splashes, I think, for the Cardinals. A couple of bringbacks for the Mets. I've got the Blue Jays here with a huge arm and a solid addition at Nimmo. So Verlander, Nimmo. And, you know, the one team that I didn't really address here, because I'm not sure they're going to splash, is the Dodgers. I'm not sure the Dodgers are going to make that one big swing. If anything, they've got to follow the Yankees protocol. And, you know, not named Darren Judge. Dan and I talked about it last week on the show. I think the Dodgers should be focused on smaller mid-level signings for depth and Shohei Otani. And whether that's this winter or next offseason or at the deadline, that's the plan. That's the Dodgers' next big swing. And it doesn't have to be immediate. It just has to be in the future, in the immediate future. So they're off this top free agent destination list for me, but they are ready to pounce whenever the timing is right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.